You understand, you're not here for your career. You're not even here ultimately for all the good things you enjoy in this life, although there's nothing wrong with enjoying those things. God left us here as ambassadors for Jesus Christ. How are you doing with your main job? Welcome to The Word Unleashed with Tom Pennington. Tom is pastor-teacher at Countryside Bible Church in Southlake, Texas. Why is evangelism and the mission field such a necessary component of the gospel message? Hello, I'm Bill Wright, and today Tom continues his current series in Romans 9 and 10 with part 12 of Human Responsibility. In Romans 10, the Apostle Paul describes the chronological order of a sinner coming to faith in Jesus Christ. We as Christians often don't think of the gospel in chronological terms, but Paul shows how important it is to understand the order that God uses to bring people to salvation. But as you'll see, as a matter of personal application, this reality should motivate you to carry the gospel of Christ to the ends of the earth. Let's join Tom as he opens God's Word right now on The Word Unleashed. This is what the Helvetic Confession says. It affirms that God normally saves through His Word, just as we're seeing here in verses 14 and 15. And then they say this, we recognize that God can illuminate whom and when He will even without the external ministry, that is, the external ministry of the Word. For that is in His power. But we speak of the usual way of instructing men delivered unto us from God, both by commandment and examples. So, I think there are a couple of exceptions. But the exceptions only punctuate and validate the rule. And the rule that Paul is sharing here in these verses is that the normal course of saving faith is that a person must first hear the gospel about Christ from Christ through his messengers in order to believe in him. A fourth condition that must be met for salvation back in our text is preaching about Christ. Preaching about Christ. Look at verse 14 again. And how will they hear without a preacher? Ordinarily, in order to hear about Christ, from Christ, there must be a preacher. Now, that noun form, of course, is also the same family as the, the verb preaching. The New Testament uses at least 33 different Greek verbs to describe biblical preaching. But far and away, the primary one, and, and the one that's used here, is the Greek word caruso. It means to proclaim like the herald of a king. That's the way this word is used. So the king sends someone to make an announcement. They come with the full weight and authority of the king, and they announce on his behalf. That's this word. Now, in the New Testament, Caruso is used in an official way of spiritually gifted and called preachers. For example, this word is used of John the Baptist in Matthew 3, verse 1. It's used of Jesus himself in Mark 1.14. It's used of the twelve in Mark 3.14. It's used of Philip the deacon from the church in Jerusalem in Acts 5, verse, or I'm sorry, Acts 8, verse 5. 
It's used of Paul in Acts 9, verse 20. It's used of Silas in 2 Corinthians 1.19. But, but here's where I want you to go with me. It is used of Timothy and of all biblical elders in 2 Timothy 4, verse 2, where Paul says to Timothy, and not just to Timothy, but to all legitimate elders of all true churches, preach the word. Caruso the word. Declare as a herald the word of God. Now, I know that what I'm doing right now is not popular in today's world. If I were pursuing popularity, we'd be having a discussion. We'd be like in a coffee shop talking about our views of the Scripture. That is not what Christ has called the elders of His church to do. He has called them to Caruso, to proclaim as a herald announcing the word of the king. That is my responsibility. That is the responsibility of the elders of this church and of every church. In fact, what you have here in this statement really underscores the priority and importance of preaching even for salvation. In fact, turn over to 1 Corinthians 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul says something remarkable here. He has just said in verses 14 through 16 that when he was in Corinth, he didn't baptize many people. He's not downplaying the importance of baptism. He understands that it's commanded of all believers. But he himself only baptized a few people in Corinth, and he mentions them. And then he says this in verse 17, for Christ did not send me to baptize. In other words, the ministry is not chiefly about ceremony, although baptism is a required ceremony. The ministry is not chiefly sacerdotal, having to do with priest things. Instead, he says, he sent me to Caruso to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech, so that the cross of Christ would not be made void. Verse 18, for the word of the cross, that is the message about the cross, is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, that message is the power of God. Now go down to verse 21. Since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. In other words, one of the chief means that God uses to communicate the truth of the gospel is through preaching. And I think in this context, he's talking about what I'm doing this morning, official preaching. And, and I think you understand that. I suspect if I were asked for a show of hands, while many of us here came to faith through the personal testimony and, and evangelism of individuals, I suspect the majority of us in this room came to faith through the preaching of the Word of God. That's God's plan. But I think back in our text in Romans 10, I think this word for preachers goes beyond preachers in an official sense like we have just seen. I think it's even broader than that because this word is used more broadly than that in the New Testament. You remember the demoniac of Gadara in Mark chapter 5? Jesus, Jesus delivers him. He is gloriously and amazingly saved. And in a moment's time, he's He's delivered of the demons. He's saved. He's sitting there clothed and in his right mind. In Mark 5, 19, Jesus said to him, Go home to your people, and notice the verb Jesus uses, and report to them 
what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. So all Jesus does is say, I want you to go share the testimony of what I've done. Go tell people what I've done. The next verse, chapter 5, verse 20 of Mark, it says, he went away and began to proclaim to Caruso in the Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him. So here's a man who wasn't commissioned to preach like John the Baptist or Paul, but who preached just the same as he declared what God had done for him in Christ. And of course, in the Great Commission, Jesus officially commissioned all of us to proclaim the good news to others. So in other words, back in Romans chapter 10, Paul is saying before a person can call on the Lord, they must believe in him. And before they can believe in him, they must hear him in the gospel through his messengers. And before they can hear him in the gospel, someone must preach the gospel to them. There's a fifth and final condition that must be fulfilled in the normal course of saving faith, and it's this, being sent by Christ. Being sent by Christ. Verse 15, how will they preach unless they are sent? Now, the Greek verb for sent there is apostello. You hear it. It's the verb form from which, which, from which we get the noun apostle. An apostle simply means one who is sent. That's all it means. Preachers must be sent. In other words, Christ must officially authorize and send those heralds who represent him. Whom does Paul mean? Who has been sent to preach the good news? Specifically, I think there are three groups outlined by the New Testament who have been sent. First of all, the apostles that Christ himself sent. In fact, back in Romans chapter 1, verse 1, Paul says, literally he says, I am a called apostle. I am a called by God, sent one. That's what he says. I'm a called by God, sent one. Clearly that's true of the other apostles. In Mark chapter 3, verse 14, it says, Christ appointed 12. He selected them. He appointed 12 so that they would be with him, and listen to this, and that he could send them out to Caruso to preach. In Acts 10, verse 42, Peter's talking to Cornelius, and he says, Christ ordered us to Caruso, to the people, to preach to the people, and to solemnly testify that this is the one who has been appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. So clearly, the apostles themselves were sent by Christ. They were sent to us through their writings. There's a second group, however, in the New Testament that were sent, the missionaries that Christ's church sends. It's interesting. You see this unfold in the book of Acts. Now, the first two references I'm going to share with you don't use the verb apostello, from which we get apostle. They use a different word, but the same idea is there. Acts 13, verse 3 says, the church in Antioch laid hands on Paul and Barnabas and sent them. They formally commissioned them on behalf of the church and Christ. In Acts 15.3, Paul and Barnabas were sent on their way by the church. But then you get this same verb in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 23, where Paul says of those who were, 
who were sharing the gospel, our brethren, our messengers, literally our apostles, but then he doesn't say of Christ. He says they are apostles of the churches. They have been sent by the churches. So the same is true today. Not only were the apostles sent by Christ, but because God has put elders in place in this church, the church sends out missionaries and they are sent ones. But there's a third category, and that's all Christians. Christ has sent all Christians in the sense of the Great Commission. Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus came up and spoke to to all of his disciples, saying, all authority has been given me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. That's a commission to every single believer. How do you make disciples? Well, there's only one way. You have to proclaim the gospel. So we've all been commissioned to do this. Every Christian, every one of us has been sent by Christ to share the good news. John Calvin was, unbeknownst to many contemporary people, a man who had a great missionary heart. Under his direction, many churches were planted across Europe. In a sermon on 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, Calvin said this. Listen to this. I love this. If the gospel be not preached, Jesus Christ is, as it were, buried. Therefore, let us stand as witnesses and do him this honor when we see all the world so far out of the way. Paul condemns our unthankfulness if we be so unfaithful to God as not to bear witness of his gospel, seeing he has called us to it. He has called us to it. Here's how Charles Hodge puts it. If God wills the end, he also wills the means. If he would have the nation saved, he would have the gospel preached to them. To make this point in Romans chapter 10, Paul quotes from an Old Testament passage. Notice what he writes in verse 15. How will they preach unless they're sent? Just as it is written, this is from Isaiah 52, 7, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. Now, if I were to take you back to Isaiah, in context, Isaiah is describing the messengers who will travel throughout Israel during the millennium to spread the good news of the gospel and of the return of God's redeemed to the land. Paul takes that and he adapts Isaiah's wording and he broadens the reference beyond the millennium to the preaching of the gospel during this age. And he says, those who bring the gospel have beautiful feet. I don't want a show of hands for how many of you think you have beautiful feet. It was particularly not true in the ancient world because in the ancient world, the messengers, like the ones in this passage, would typically have traveled on foot. So by the time they arrived at their destination after a long journey, just to be frank, their feet would have been dirty and smelly. And yet, their feet were beautiful. Why? Because to those who waited for the good news they brought, they were beautiful. You understand this. If you're a Christian, that's how you feel about the preacher or the friend or the family member who brought you the good news. How beautiful they are to you.
So, Paul says here in this passage, God ordained the normal course by which people come to saving faith. Now, let me take his order and reverse it because here's the real chronological order, if you will, that these things unfold. Here's how it happens. This is the normal path, the normal course that faith takes. Number one, Christ sends out his preachers. He authorizes those who will represent him. Certainly it was the apostles. Certainly it's missionaries sent out by every gospel-believing church. And it's all of us as his disciples. Christ sends out his preachers. Number two, the preachers that he sends actually preach Caruso the gospel, the good news. Number three, people hear Christ in that gospel preached or proclaimed by his messengers. They hear him. Number four, many who hear him in the gospel believe. Number five, those who believe, who believe like Romans 10, 9 and 10, who believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead, who confess him as Lord, they believe and therefore they call on the name of the Lord. They cry out in a prayer of repentance and faith like the, like the tax collector saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. And number six, those who call like that are saved. That's the normal course of saving faith. Now, you remember I started by telling you that that's the message Paul has here but he also wants to to live in light of the implications. So let me just stress this. The normal course of faith that we just saw in these two verses should serve in our lives as motives to two great ends. Number one, personal evangelism. Personal evangelism. Do you understand? Do you really understand, Christian, that Christ has commissioned and commanded and sent you to share the gospel with the people in your life? Now, I know whenever I bring up evangelism in my own life, and I know for many of you, we all feel a twinge of guilt because none of us feel adequate to that end, and none of us do that as much as we could or should. But let me just ask you the plain question, are you even trying? Martin Luther says, we live on earth for no other purpose than to be helpful to others. Otherwise, it would be best for God to take away our breath and let us die as soon as we have begun to believe. Listen to this. But he lets us live here in order that we may lead other people to believe, doing for them what he has done for us. You believe that? You understand? You're not here for your career. You're not even here ultimately for all the good things you enjoy in this life, although there's nothing wrong with enjoying those things. God left us here as ambassadors for Jesus Christ. How are you doing with your main job? There's another implication. Not only should the normal course of faith serve as a motive for personal evangelism, but secondly, it should serve as a motivation for world missions. For world missions. You need to understand, I need to understand, the reality that in the Great Commission, Christ has given us, each of us, the responsibility for the world. Do you feel responsibility for the world? You should. And here in Romans 10, we discover why. Look at what he says again. How shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? It is God's will that the gospel be preached everywhere to everyone. 
Let me say that again. It is God's will that the gospel be preached everywhere to everyone. So what are you doing to that end? What am I doing to that end? Some, some people here should pray about and should talk with the elders about going to the nations as a missionary like William Carey did, who left his, his business, his career, to go reach others for Christ. Let me ask you, have you even considered that as a possibility? You ever said to God, if you want me to go and you were to make that clear that you've gifted me in that way, the elders of the church affirm that's true, I'd be willing? You ever, you ever even said that to God? Have you ever said that on behalf of your kids? you ever said, God, you know, I'd really like my kids and grandkids nearby, but if you want to use them for the advancement of the cause of Jesus Christ, send them. You ever prayed that? Others here need to be willing to use vacation time and resources to travel overseas, to use your skills to support our missionaries on a short-term basis. But all of us here, Every Christian here needs to understand that even if you don't go, you are still responsible to make sure others do and to support them when they do. That's your job. That's why you work. Remember, it's back to the main reason. We're here for the advancement of the cause of Jesus Christ. You work so that you can support your family, of course, so that you can enjoy the good things of life. Those are all outlined in Scripture. But the reason he's left you here is for the mission. It's for the mission. So you need to pray. You need to pray like Jesus taught us in in John 4. Pray that the Lord of the harvest will send forth laborers into his field. You ever pray that? Pray for those who go from our church, those we support. Give to support this church so that we can continue to expand our outreach to the nations. Stay in touch with our missionaries to make sure they have what, what they need. Let them know you're praying for them. You need to hold the rope for those who go. Every believer must actively support the international mission Christ has given to His church. That's me, that's you. Look again at verses 14 and 15. How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in Him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent, just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things? May God help each one of us to embrace the mission. Let's pray together. That's Tom Pennington here on The Word Unleashed with part 12 of his series, Human Responsibility. Tom will have part 13 for you next time, and we hope you'll join us then. Well, Tom, before we end our time today, would you summarize today's theme about the role of evangelism and missions in the life of the believer? You know, Bill, it means that as believers, we must be completely invested in evangelism and missions. As far as evangelism, we need to understand that we have a responsibility to talk to the people around us about the good news of Jesus Christ. It's our responsibility 
to bring the message of reconciliation. We're ambassadors for Christ. And when it comes to missions, we either need to be serving on the mission field or we need to be supporting those that do. Our prayers and our resources need to be aimed at the advancement of the gospel around the world. Of course, the Lord has gifted people in different ways, but each of us is called to take part in evangelism and missions in one way or another. Thanks, Tom. And friend, in a world filled with great uncertainty, God's Word and the promises it contains offer wonderful encouragement to believers in Jesus Christ. We pray that the ministry of the Word Unleashed is playing a prominent role to that effect, and we'd love to hear how that works in your life and personal walk with the Lord. Write to us, won't you? Our address is listeners at the word unleashed.org. Again, that's listeners at the word unleashed.org. Or you can call us at 1-877-577-WORD. And remember to connect with us on social at the word unleashed. We also invite you to visit thewordunleashed.org, where you'll find other resources, including additional series from The Word Unleashed. That's thewordunleashed.org. You know, The Word Unleashed is made possible because of the prayers and financial gifts of individuals just like you. Please consider partnering with us. You can find out how to do that by visiting thewordunleashed.org. Again, that's thewordunleashed.org. And now for Tom Pennington and the entire team, I'm Bill Wright. Thanks for listening to The Word Unleashed, exalting God's glory, explaining God's truth. Thank you.